Injured in a car accident? We cap attorney's fees at 30% of the first million. Any recovery above that is all yours. No recovery, no fees or costs. If another lawyer wants more, lawyer up 904. For accidents, injuries, and more, lawyer up 904. Jacksonville. Let's go into the night with Rick Ballou on 1010XL 92.5 FM. January, just blessed to be around for another day, a survivor of the jab. <laughs> Gonna try to make it through the nighttime, nighttime, nighttime. Every time I talk about the side effects, the first thing people do is they look at me and say, why in the hell would you take the jab? And then they start giving me their, uh, their opinion. I've never been one of those to be shy about anything, okay? I'm not going to hide stuff. You know, I was told it was the thing to do. Is, is it not the thing to do? I mean, you've got, what, Jimmy Fallon now singing about it? He's sold out. I mean, I already can't listen to, uh, what's the other Jimmy? The former fat guy, Kimmel. He used to be, dan- you know, he used to be dancing on trampolines Another with girls. And in undies and her skivvy. Now he's totally sold out. I, I just... I, I don't know. I, I get so bummed. I do. We're Americans. We're supposed to love thy neighbor, right? It's, it's not supposed to be a, well, he did something I didn't, and to prove my point, hmm, let's hope he dies, you know? I mean, that's where we're at. It's insane. All right, Tuesday night, late night, and Baloo with JJ. We love our Tuesday nights around here. First of all, the studio always smells good, and it's always clean, and it's not because of the ladies of the helmets and heels. It's because our custodial engineer always comes in here on a Tuesday night. And I tell you something right now. He's like all of you out there in Duval. He is tickled about the Jacksonville Jaguars. The fact that they have won five in a row. They now basically sit around to pick them. Most books has L.A. maybe one, maybe one and a hook. Depending on where you are shopping, we know a year ago home field advantage meant everything in the wild card round where five of the six home teams held serve. Those are much better numbers than prior years. It feels like a good pick. It does. The Jaguars, a home dog. They absolutely throttled L.A. It was the best performance of the year. They just went to the West Coast and did whatever the heck they wanted to do back when they met. In week 13, and on that day, the Jaguars ran the ball for 151 yards. L.A. is not good against the run. I think all of a sudden there are some concerns about, well, wait a minute now. We watched Jacksonville a couple of weeks ago run the football against Houston. Here came Tennessee, which had the worst pass defense in the NFL. They had one of the worst total defenses in the NFL, uh, albeit very stout against the run. And on top of that, you saw what Jacksonville did. They only ran 47 plays, all right? You dodged a major mortar here this past Saturday night. 47 plays, 
And that is not the recipe to win a game in this league, as we know. You've got to be more balanced. You've got to make some plays. Uh, Nine plays in the fourth quarter for Jacksonville. Negative one yard. I mean, again, you're trailing. You were trailing for 57 minutes. And the numbers in the fourth quarter say nine snaps, nine offensive plays. You ended up with negative one as far as total yardage in the fourth quarter. Yet you still found a way to come from behind and win that football game. It's amazing. The defense has played well. Uh, the two big turnovers, I, I, you know, the, the stuff we're hearing now on that defensive line, it just feels like it's getting better on a week-to-week basis. Josh Allen had a very good game. Some believe Trayvon Walker played his best football game of his rookie season. Roy Robertson-Harris is now becoming kind of the second guy not named Rayshon Jenkins, who I thought there's no question they're out of here at the end of the 2022 season, all of a sudden, you know about Jenkins. He's been phenomenal, all right? The strip sack the other night, the pick six, going back a few weeks ago in overtime, and now all of a sudden, Roy Robertson-Harris, you know, somewhat, um, maybe not as noticed as others, but starting to play some really good football on that defensive line. So can Jacksonville, the final year of their deals coming up at the end of 2023, can they find a way to perhaps redo those couple of contracts, paying some upfront signing bonus money, and then be able to recoup a little bit in order to do some other things. But that's looking forward. We're not looking any more past the matchup this week against Los Angeles. It's going to be primetime in front of a nationally televised audience coming up here on Saturday night. You know some of those national pundits like Coward, um, Colin Coward, okay? <laughs> That's what I'm going to call him. He, he, uh, it, you know, listen, the guy's made a ton of money. He's pretty good at what he does. He's got a little bit of Skip Bayless in him at times where I think he sells himself out and kind of overdoes it, the Baker situation for one. But when he made the comment that there was no home field advantage for the game this weekend between Jacksonville and Los Angeles, that's just lazy, that's uninformed, and that's wrong. There's no other way to say it. You you can pick on us down here in Jacksonville anytime you want, but when you say that it is not a home field advantage when that crowd is amped up the way it was three nights ago, that is a flat-out lie. Yeah, uh, I didn't hear what he said, but I if he said that, that's obviously not true. I mean, I, I so matter of fact, like he knew, like he's I here for all Chargers, eight home games. The Chargers home games, absolutely not. I mean, if he's talking about the Jags in general, yeah. I mean, they okay. don't. The, the fans weren't around for lots of games this year, but they'll be around for a playoff game. Yeah, that's for certain. You know, it's fifty solid. It's fifty fifty five thousand solid. Uh, but when you get to football games of this magnitude, you're going to find fifteen to twenty thousand more that want to be a part of it, and that's everywhere, okay? Fans gravitate to winners in every sport, in every city, and that's going to be the case now. If I had a saw buck for everyone already this week who's asked me if I had a beat on tickets, I'd be a fairly wealthy guy. I've never been one to kind of give you the, oh, well, you never wanted to go then. Why do you want to go now? I understand it's pricey uh, to get to these games. It's also very time-consuming. 
to get to these games. You just can't show up at 7 o'clock for an 8.15 uh, kickoff. You, you're going to be lost. you got to be there hours and hours. I had a lot Jay Park and Pass. I've had it for 27 years or whatever. But I got there around 6.15. Okay? So that's two hours before kick. And I left my monster on steroids, uh, key GMC Sierra truck at home, and instead went with the girlfriend's key Buick Enclave because I knew it would be a little bit easier to park in Lache. Smart. And it's the best decision I've made so far in 2023 because let me tell you, parking was about over. And that was, JJ, that's two hours before kickoff. What time did you leave? I left around 5. Okay. 5.15. Not terrible. No, the traffic was actually really good. I take the Emerson off of off of uh, 95, and, and I go back up that way over the bridge. It, it was actually really good until you got there. So that's going to be the case again coming up this weekend. All right, uh, we got a lot to do tonight as always. This is the evening that we invite you and your phone calls at 641-1010 on on, on Jaguar football, on everything that you saw this past weekend, on what you expect coming up this Saturday night. Also an opportunity, if you like, to talk about last night's game, which was just so, uh, you know, so uninspiring. I, I have the utmost respect for Georgia, and to see what they did last night was incredibly impressive. But it's kind of the way that I labeled the game going in. It's either going to be a come down to the last second final play and one team's going to win and one's going to lose, or it's going to be a laugher. And that's what last night ended up being. And, you know, I find it interesting that last night and again today, all of a sudden everyone in the world of college football uh, is an expert. Uh, We're hearing that Bama should have been in the game. We're hearing that TCU shouldn't have been in the game. We're hearing that if you can't get a national title game like this, why do you want to go from four college football playoff teams to 12 college football playoff teams? You know, all I'll tell you is look at the semifinals a week ago. How impressive was that to watch those two games? And, you know, Georgia, over the last couple of years, you could say what you want, but they dodged major bullets against Alabama and as well against Ohio State, clearly last night, one of the great college football season-ending teams we have ever seen. 15 in a row now for Georgia. They're going to lose a lot to the NFL, but it's about recruiting, and they are still absolutely, totally loaded. I got to believe they'll be the preseason number one team in America. We saw Jacksonville's Carson Beck get an opportunity late in this game. He'll be a junior next season. And, you know, we'll see. Uh, Georgia just keeps reloading. As a matter of fact, coming up in a little bit, we'll take a look uh, at the final uh, college football season-ending poll. And, of course, the way too early for 2023 uh, poll is already out. Uh, again, a lot of people will it, – it, It's great. you know what's great about college football is no matter what you do and what you say and what you write, there's always a large sample of people that can't wait to tell you that you shouldn't be allowed to do that. Is there any other sport like that? I mean, after the Super Bowl, if they come out with like a post-Super Bowl power rankings, I think people just kind of, all right, whatever. But whether, you know, NBA, NHL, Major League Baseball, yeah, you let out that college football poll in late July or, or early August, 
and people go crazy. You write about the way too early college football poll projections for you know what's going to come up nine months from now. People go nuts. Why is it that way? It's the only sport that we see it because they don't play each other most of the time. So it's like it's our only way of basing who's better than who. You know, is these dumb polls. I heard a great stat today that the preseason poll going into this season, um, there's like nine or or more teams that ended up with seven losses, six or seven losses from that poll. Mm-hmm. It just shows it's so meaningless. Yeah. Well, but we love it. Yeah. And it gives us something to talk about in the doldrums of summer. And uh, I can't complain. That's what I like about college football, the arguing. It's my favorite thing. Well, and there always is plenty to argue about, (laughs) and there always has been in in college football. But it's amazing if they come from the same uh, womb, I guess you will, as pro football. Man, the NFL, they completely know how to satisfy their fan base. Okay? You talk about... If you're starving for something, they're going to fill up your belly because they place things perfectly over 52 weeks where there's never a long period of stretch where you go too far without football. All right? We'll get out of the Super Bowl and then, bam, you're going into free agency. and Combine. Then, right. Then, bam, you have the East-West Shrine Bowl that, that's coming up. And then you have... Uh, the Combine, and, and you have the Senior Bowl before that, and then you have all the draft and the, and the pro days. And, you know, right after the, the draft, uh, in between there in March as well, you get the NFL owners meetings, right? We're going to hear more about this and hear more about that. Are they finally going to put that sky judge out there, or is it going to be tabled uh, for yet another year? But but there's always something and that— we're going to have, like— a, a retirement drama with a quarterback. You oh, know yeah. that. We're going to – someone important will get arrested. <clears throat> you know, there's always – even when not the uh, scheduled events, like the schedule release and yeah. free agency and draft, there's always those miscellaneous stories <laughs> sprinkled throughout the offseason. We'll get the cap figure. We'll figure out what teams have to cut players, what teams are, are able to, uh, you know, be overly aggressive. It, it's just incredible how it works. Meanwhile, college, it's like – It's done. For and nine months, you can't really – there's not too much going on. It's done, and, and you know, for me and a lot of our listeners, one of the great times of year was that first Wednesday in February when it was 25 incoming freshmen to that recruiting class. I saw what Greg Sankey said last week, and he made a lot of sense. Here's Greg Sankey again sitting on top of, an, of another national championship – And he's like, this early signing day is not what we want. It puts too much pressure on coaches during the season. And you know what? In a way, he's right. But people yelled about this. They wanted this. They wanted two signing days. They wanted folks coming in in December and being able to check into school in early January. I always liked it the way that it was. And Greg Sankey, oh, by the way, is one guy who can move the needle. He truly is. We're not talking about Jim Phillips here. Arguably the most powerful man in college football. There's no doubt. But anyway, with the with the way too early poll, it's just not talked about and accepted. You know, for every person who looks at it or reads it, there's the next person who says, this is useless. Why do we have it? My, my opinion has always been, well, at least it keeps college football with us for a couple of more days. 
because I got to tell you something, all right? College football is about dead until late July. You know, the, the only thing that could maybe move it would be a surprise kid saying, I'm not going into the NFL draft. I'm going to stay in college for another year. And even during the season, we have a lull between the end of the conference title games and sort of the playoff national championship. We got a whole month where it's like nothing's going on. It's so weird. Um, but, yeah, we just have, like, recruiting scraps, you know, to talk about a story. It's like today's Rashada stuff. Mm-hmm. It's very vague. It's like yeah, nothing's panic. official. Yeah, it's it's a, such a weird sport, man. Not it's the, the Wild West of sports. Well, it really is. And, and, and it's gone. It's gone by tonight. I mean, are you kidding me? When I get back here tomorrow with Thursday and Friday, it's going to be all Jaguars. As a matter of fact, most of it's going to be Jaguars tonight. And I got to imagine in about every other market in the country, it's the same way. Maybe on some campuses somewhere, there's a lot of people holding on to college football. But for the most part, it leaves you. And I'm not going to get into this tonight uh, because it's not timely with the Jaguars being in the playoffs. But maybe we'll do it in February or perhaps we'll do it in March. But if you were to take control of this game, how would you change college football to make it, I'm not going to say better, okay, that'd be unfair. How do you take college football where it becomes more relevant during the offseason? Again, the NFL is all over the place every single week of the year. Why does college football disappear for like nine months? It just goes away. How would you make it? more relevant? What can you do in the world of college football in order for it to satisfy you, the consumer, the football fan, where you're going to get up and look for NFL news? Well, are you getting up looking for college football news? The Sadly, the answer to that is that you're not. Very few actually do. And in some circles, college football has actually become a fringe sport. Still the second biggest sport in America. Yeah. But you know what? In a lot of big cities, mm-mm. I'm just Boston, saying overall, Philly, New York. At, you look at ratings and everything, it, it is. It's bigger than the NBA. It's, you know, bigger than I can't. I don't even know what number three is or number four would be. But, yeah, college football is still the second biggest sport in America. I have no idea what number three is. I think it would be, well, it's definitely the NBA. Globally, it would be the NBA. The NBA is bigger than the NFL globally. In our country, I don't know what it is. Baseball's way down. Hockey is on the rise a little bit because it's easier to find uh, once again. And it's not on the Outdoor Life Network. <laughs> that on Versus. God. That was great when they used to stick uh, those games on, on those channels. And again, you put it on TNT, you put it on ESPN. The guy who works hard all day comes home, you know, sits down, has dinner. He's just like. Regular, that's yeah. what he does every day is put on channel 23 that's ESPN or whatever. Whatever's on, I'll watch it. What did you have on last night? I ch- So when the game was 24-7 to and Georgia got the ball at the uh, goal line, and I'm like, well, they're about to plug it in. It's about to be 31-7 before half. I turned it off. I walked into my apartment. My girl was watching The Young and the Restless, and I said, give me the remote. I'm putting the game mm. on. And when it got to that point, I, I threw it back to her, and I was like, watch whatever you want. Yeah, I, I read a book last night. Honestly, I, uh, I, you know, I got home 
and the girlfriend had it on 4K, <laughs> which is channel 106 on DirecTV. The and game. I, it was the game, but it was a Sean McDonough. Um, Alternate broadcast? Blackledge. Todd Blackledge, uh, Todd Blackledge broadcast. I don't know if it was. It might have been the radio broadcast. Okay. But the, you put it on this 4K, and when they go to commercial break, you don't go to commercial break. They keep the cameras on the field. They, I like that. They, yeah, it's it's uh, it was a little bit different. I, you know, I'm not going to get into a tonight, you know, a this and then that. I just I'm petered out on on Dr. Herbie. I'm I'm kind of like trying to stay away from him. I think he's just become a a massive sellout. And you know, listening to Fowler and Herb Street is not something I wanted to do, especially in a blowout. I'd, I'd much rather hear Blackledge. And I guess Blackledge is gone. He's now going to the Big Ten Network or or something along those lines, which, you know, is that NBC or, or is that CBS? Um, that's coming up in like a year. I saw that Blackledge is out. Uh, so, you know, anyway, yeah, I enjoyed NBC. The, yeah, I enjoyed that last night with him in uh, – in, 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 and Sean McDonough. But well, don't say that too loud because if they find out people are enjoying that, they'll slap commercials on it. Yeah. If too many people are watching, mm-hmm. they'll start putting the commercials. Well, they had a bunch of different stuff on. You know, they had like McAfee's deal. What um, do you think about him? You know, I... He's not my thing. I understand why people like him, though. Yeah. He's different. I mean, he's a G... Listen, the, the guy is... He's made so much money. Oh, a hell of an entrepreneur. Oh, yeah. And he's got a, just from a YouTube channel. He's got a cult-like following. You know, the I, I just, the whole Barstool, and I know he's no longer with Barstool. He left Barstool. It, Same shtick, though. Yeah, it's kind of like, um, there are times I like it. There are times I'm like, okay, this is kind of cool. I'm too the, old for this. Yeah, there are other times I'm, I, I just don't really understand it, and you know, there's a lot of criticism because he made some comments last night about penetrating. Oh, my God. About God. thank you for allowing me to penetrate you and spend all year inside you. You know, he made these comments, and, and people today just went nuts um, responding to oh, right here. how he didn't have any class and he shouldn't have said things uh, along those lines. And, and my whole way of looking at it is, well, what did you expect? You, yeah, when you, you got Pat McAfee on. You went looking for it. They got exactly it. what they wanted. If you don't want that, go to Fowler and Herb Street or do what I did. Go to Blackledge and Sean McDonough. If you go into Pat McAfee and the guys that he has there on the sideline, they're going to take some that. chances. They're going to do some things that you're not going to hear. on. A, so why would you go looking for that? And then still complain about it. And there's a minute and 38 left in a 65-7 to seven game, and this is what he said. I personally would like to say thank you to the college football community for allowing me to penetrate you this season and be inside of you all year. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty stupid. It's, it's, it, it, it is, but his people love it. I was about to or say. Or most of them do. If you're a child like me, you'll giggle at that. Yeah. I if If you weren't prepared for that and you just happen to be on that channel – you know, and maybe you're, like, you're, you're reading the, the you're reading the New York Times, and and all of a sudden you hear that, and you kind of flip the paper down. And you're like, "Did I just hear that?" Okay, I I got you there, but I I don't believe anyone ended up on his channel unless you were a fan and you went looking for that. At, at least that's 
my opinion on it, but still, it uh, you know, I mean, it navigated a lot of uh, attention today, very similar to what we saw a week ago, Monday night, when Skip Bayless made the comments uh, that he made. Uh, people do this for a reason. They, they know it's going to grab some attention, and when you're making that amount of money, they feel comfortable enough about their job that they feel as though... They don't have anything to worry about. Exactly. I, McAfee doesn't even work for ESPN. Yeah. What does he care? Yeah. I mean, I guess he does. Well, I guess he's getting they, some type of paycheck. They put him. him on game day. Oh, he's so he's he's there permanently now. I don't okay. watch game day. Neither do I. Okay, again, because they've totally sold out. But I, I follow what goes on, and I know that. I guess last night Pollock like went off on Georgia right in front of Saban. I wouldn't say went off. I watched it. He just said like, and I don't even think he was trying to do it to like. Well, he's not that guy. Bear. Exactly. So all he said was basically Georgia's Georgia's the king of college football right now, and he's right. And, and it, he is, and Saban couldn't argue mm-hmm. against that, so he just kind of sat there all sad. Yeah, maybe Nick needs to take <laughs> one off. I mean, he doesn't need the money. Why would he even be there? He loves that kind of stuff. It's recruiting. Like, hey, Tim yeah. Randall's told me for years that he thinks when Nick Saban gets out, he'll be a fantastic broadcaster. I believe it, if he ever gets out. Yep. All right, let's take our first of the night. We got a lot to do. As always, the best way to get a hold of us is on the text line brought to you by Lifetime Enclosures. That number six four one ten ten. Jaguar fans, we will grab your phone calls tonight as well. Reaction to Saturday, but more importantly, can you win again against L.A. for the fifth time since the NFL merger, okay? Every playoff game this weekend is a rematch. And in some cases, they're meeting for the third time. But obviously, it does include Jacksonville, who just pounded L.A. Uh, earlier this year in week three. So we got a lot to do. Best way to get us, 641-1010. With J.J., I'm Rick Ballou. Into the Night with Rick Ballou on 1010XL 92.5 FM. The mark of a great team is finding a way and not relying on the same old, same old each and every Sunday. Jacksonville has done that. It's amazing. The contributions have been unexpected. And one week it's all Trevor Lawrence. The next it's running the football. Then it's the 27 takeaways that this team was able to muster this year after putting up only nine a season ago. It's incredible. Special teams, Riley Patterson, who did not work today, okay, with a back. I'll get to the injury report here in a moment. But if you look at three of their four special team core guys, if you will, with Matasic, with, uh, you know, Riley Patterson, Logan Cook and Jamal Agnew, three of the four on the injury report. And just look at how they contributed on Saturday night. The great punting by Cook. Patterson made his field goals. Uh, Matisic, the only time you're ever going to hear anything about a long or deep snapper is if something bad happens. And then, of course, Jamal Agnew, who was absolutely filthy on both punt and kick return uh, coming up or what we just observed uh, a week ago. However, the deeper you get into it, 
there's less room for error. And the point I'm trying to make is, is Jacksonville only had 222 yards of offense. That is their second least input offensively all year in 17 games. Now, I think the way, believe it or not, we've been conditioned as of late, you would expect an absolute turnaround and for Trevor Lawrence to throw for 300-plus like he did the first time they faced L.A. and for Jacksonville to run for 150 yards plus like the first time when they did go out and face L.A. So I, I really began diving into some things today. For starters, let's look at this, the intangibles, right? The travel, the fan base, the outdoor football game. It's also reportedly supposed to be pretty cool on Saturday night, okay? L.A. this year, outdoors, 1-3. in three. And the only win they got was a last-second lengthy field goal. It was like a 53-yarder to beat Cleveland. So this is not a good outdoors football team. And, you know, they're building. You can do whatever the hell you want with it. And yeah, it opens. And we saw some rain come in last night during the national title game. But th- this is one of those classic indoor you know, on the the fast track type of club. You, you put them outside, they have not performed well. So that is something right there that, uh, that absolutely favors Jacksonville. The other issue they have is tremendous players, Pro Bowl players, who aren't 100%. Bosa's not 100%. Derwin James is not 100%. Mike Williams is day-to-day treatment today on his back. Keenan Allen did not face Jacksonville the first time that they played. Remember all week we talked about Herbert and whether or not he was going to go, and then he ended up playing. Ribs. And we saw him the week before, some of the the, the incredible passes he made and, and how he was clearly uh, not 100% but still had the, uh, uh, you know, the wherewithal to make some of those tough passes. This is a beaten-up team as well. They've lost starters off both the offense and defensive side of the football, much like Jacksonville. So, I, you know, I look at things like that, and, and, and I do like where Jacksonville is heading into this game. My biggest concern, sooner or later, when you allow teams to get out to a big lead, it's going to be too much for you. And it nearly was on Saturday night. You cannot allow the Chargers to come in here and go up 10-0 like Tennessee did. Or you can't allow them to come in here and go up 17-0 like the Raiders did. Or 27-10 like the Cowboys did. And I knew you could be saying, well, why not, Baloo? I mean, they came from behind and won all those games. You're right. But the law of averages tells you that sooner or later, you're not going to be able to do that. So you can't win a game in the first quarter. You can lose a game. In the first quarter. Just ask TCU. As a matter of fact, I guess TCU was in it after 15 minutes. They didn't minutes. score a touchdown. Right. They, they, I think it was like 17-7. to seven maybe. It was. It, it didn't start to get sideways until the second quarter. But, but Jacksonville has got to have some early consistency on offense where they are moving the football. Now, the one thing that is more evident than any, as bad as Tennessee is, or as bad as Tennessee was. They're really good against the run. 
They're a very good run-defending football team. And Jacksonville had no success. You notice Trevor Lawrence's first game all year, he didn't have any official carries uh, in this game. Uh, let me find it for you again. I think it was 17 for or 14 for 19. It was. Jacksonville ran the ball 14 times on Saturday night for 19 yards. Once again, here comes L.A. They allow 146 yards a game on the ground. You hate it. You hate it, JJ. You'd rather have another 14 rush. You'd rather have 14 rushes for 19 yards and and, and put it on Trevor. I would rather pass to open up the run. Okay. So so I think that uh, for the Jags offense, Trevor is huge for the run game. Like, I think that what I've noticed most of this season is if Trevor's going, the run game starts to go. You know, mm-hmm. like the there's less guys in the box, obviously. More room for ETN to run. So, yeah, if Trevor's going early, I think that opens up the run. But like you said, 140 yards a game, pound the rock against these guys. Uh, we had James Robinson. Remember that guy? Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure he had a big ga- uh, day against uh, the Chargers, if I recall. Yes, you were spot on with that. Uh, let me find. Seems a long time ago. It really does. <laughs> it really does. Um you know, John Shipley does a good job with this, and um, uh, Jordan does as well. A couple of buddies of mine who covered the team that I follow, Jordan DeLugo on uh, on Twitter. And, you know, they dive into the pro football focus stuff a little bit more than, than I do. And they've been bragging as of late about Darius Williams and just how incredible his numbers are now that he has gone from, you know, in the slot as a nickel to going opposite Tyson Campbell and and being a uh, a cornerback, yet despite all that, Jacksonville is still one of the worst pass defenses in the NFL. They are 27th against the pass. Okay, they haven't been able to generate a lot of sacks. They've done a decent job with pressure, but teams are having success throwing the football against Jacksonville. L.A. stuff I was reading today, and it was actually, it was, it was done very thoroughly, and I enjoyed it. But what makes this game so intriguing and, and, and why I do believe this is really going to be a high-scoring game on Saturday night, Jacksonville should be able to move the ball offensively with ease, and that includes pounding it on the ground against, as we've said now many times, a terrible Chargers run defense. The same thinking in L.A. is that with Justin Herbert and his talent, they should have a field day picking apart Jacksonville's pass defense, which again is 27th in the NFL. And you know, it's also pretty interesting when you talk about uh, the Chargers in, in their their rush defense, as bad as it is, you look at their pass defense, man, they're pretty good. They're only giving up 200 yards a game. They are seventh overall in pass defense. So what you have here is two polar opposites, and that's why I look at numbers, and that's why I study numbers, because I, I think from the outside looking in, the thought on – Trevor against, you know, Lawrence against Herbert is what? Two brilliant young quarterbacks 
who can score from anywhere on the football field, yet if you really dive into it and you look at it, it is different facing these defenses. Right now, Herbert has got to be salivating at the mouth saying, give me my second opportunity against the Jags. I believe I can torch them in the air. We're offensively now in Jacksonville with Peterson and Press Taylor and Mike McCoy and Jim Bob Cooter and Trevor Lawrence. And everyone there. It's, it's a balanced attack. They're soft against the run. Let's run. Then we can open things up with the pass. So, James Robinson, by the way, 17 carries, 100 yards. Yeah. So, six yards a carry and a touchdown. Remember, he had that 50-yarder yeah. uh, against the Chargers earlier. Yeah, if you're a Herbert, you have to be looking at uh, Josh Dobbs finding guys wide open and getting, like, third-down conversions and just being like, oh, my God, I can do that. I thought it would take 20 to – you know, I, what did we say? 2021 to win last week. I, I think to win Saturday night, you probably got to score around 34 points. Absolutely. I was going to say 28-30 minimum. Now, I think you are going to have to put up some serious numbers. It's going to be fun. It's going to be – yeah, and – and, and good because, you know, listen, I'm never, gonna da- I'm never going to dismiss a win. But the playoff win here against Buffalo a few years ago sucked. It was boring. I mean, I didn't mind it because I don't mind a defense. But, you know, I want the fans. Think about how much more fun the game was against uh, the Steelers the next week. I got with a buddy of mine, uh, Hayden Zani, today, and we, we, we played a, a round of golf, and he's a Georgia fan. And – I'm surprised he was sober enough to get out. There. Yeah, you know, his dad, Doug, was a great friend of mine who passed a few years back, and he would have been 58 last week. And and I was I was like, what what was it like last night to go through a stress-free mm. national title game? Well, I did it when I was an 11-year-old. But, uh, yeah, there's no feeling. Which like one was that? that? That was 2001 Miami-Nebraska. Okay. Uh, next year wasn't exactly the same. I've never done that. I've won three and lost three. And the first one I ever went to in 93, they won 18-16. Mm-hmm. Second one I went to. What they, about Vatek? They had to come from behind. Okay. So okay. That, that, the score made it look a little. They got a big lead. Then then Mike Vick and company came back and actually took a fourth quarter lead. Okay. I got to go Florida back and State. watch those highlights. And Peter Warwick had a punt return. And Peter Warwick had a, a, a lengthy touchdown reception where there was a pass interference on the call, but he caught it anyway. It ended up being fairly comfortable. And then, of course, the last national title I went to was in the Rose Bowl nine years ago. Where Jameis hit Kelvin Benjamin with 13 seconds to go. Yeah. All right. So, imagine. So, anyway, back to the Bills game and even back to Saturday night's game. Kind of ugly, drawn out defensive games, you know, kind of the Big Ten style of football. Win or lose, this weekend's game should be very entertaining. I got to look up the over-under. Yeah, I mean, I was looking at it earlier today. I think it's, is it 48 and a half? 47 and a half right now on okay. this book. 47 and a half, I would play the over with anyone's money. I agree. No doubt. It is supposed to be in the 30s. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if that's good or bad for the offense. That's chilly, man. That is going to be cold. Yep. Herbert this year, man, the guy's talented. But, you know, the number is 25 and 10. That, that's right there with, with, uh, with Trevor. I think Trevor was 25 and 8. 
if you look at touchdowns to picks, but this guy threw for 4,739 yards. His completion percentage was 68.2%. His quarterback rating actually down a little bit to 93.2. So, you know, he is human. There's no doubt about it. And, you know, this is a team that you look at what they did this year, fairly balanced, 485 passing attempts, 404 rushing attempts. Uh, Eckler, you know, 85 yards short of 1,000. But they did run for 1,500 in 24 yards, uh, 485 to 404 before the break. Just let me dive back here to to Jacksonville uh, to see what they did. Uh, Jacksonville this year threw the football. Was that right, 404, or was that completions? That, that must have been wrong. I'm sorry. I apologize. This year, L.A. threw the football 711 times. <laughs> Meanwhile, Trevor this year threw it 584. 711 times, and they ran it. 404 times. So forget about what I said uh, as far as balance is concerned. Jacksonville (laughs) this year threw the ball 596 times and ran it 448 times. So, uh, and Jacksonville ran it for 2,116 yards. Jacksonville is a much better balanced offense, a much better rushing offense. And if you look at some of the, you know, some of the particulars and percentages, their passing offense is actually better than LA's. If you look at everything outside of completion percentage, if you look at touchdowns, the interceptions, if you look at quarterback rating, uh, let me see average per you know, seven this year, which is a, a serious increase for uh, Trevor Lawrence, and and that was impressive to see. What did Herbert do this year as far as average per? He was below 6.8, basically the same thing, 6.8 to 7 in favor of Trevor Lawrence. All right, your thoughts coming up. 641-1010, best way to get us. That is on the text line brought to you by Lifetime Enclosures. Jag fans, if you want to get on in, we'll grab some calls tonight as well. Same number, 641-1010. Your jewelry box in now. Night with Rick Ballou on 1010XL 92.5 FM. Happy birthday, Rod Stewart, 78 today. Lucky enough to finally get a chance to see him recently. He was in town right before, I don't know, everything gets... They never turned 50, man. You stop forgetting if it was two weeks ago or six months ago. I want to say the Rod Stewart concert was like right before football season. When he was here with Cheap Trick. But um, his autobiography is next. You know, I finished Mick Fleetwood's, and I'm, I'm reading a Cassie Duel now. It's part of the C.J. Box family. Fictional writer. Good I remember stuff. you talking about the uh, age of some of the female patrons at the show. Yes. I, I love when these type of bands roll in because I'm one of the younger ones there. So that's always... Uh, kind of cool but and what a life for Rod Stewart man starting out with faces and stuff like that and just uh trying to think if anyone's ever really had his 
you know, his style, kind of a flamboyant David Bowie, Mick Jagger style, but with his voice, it's, I mean, can you compare it to anything else, historically like speaking, raspy, in rock? Uh, no. I mean, who has a voice like that? All right, look at it, um, Los Angeles here. This LA team is is um, is intriguing for for starters. You know, the third down, as we know, is enormous, and and Jacksonville five of eleven on third down against the Titans. They did a nice job defensively, only allowed six of seventeen. They did allow a couple of fourth down conversions, including on that one drive that went 17 plays and took up 59 yards. It took up nearly 10 minutes of clock. Uh, just erased the entire quarter. Sitting next to Dave Campo, the former Cowboys head coach, he's like, you got to be kidding me. They're erasing this entire quarter. I, I don't think that either one of these two teams are, are going to be able to put drives like that together, even though I have certainly made my 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 opinion known that this is a team that you should be able to to run the football against and obviously when you run it it takes clock but when you look at Los Angeles man their their third down defense 39% okay Jacksonville's third down defense is 43.1% so you know there is a little bit of a a little bit of a difference there you know offensively um, these are kind of hidden numbers, okay? I am a big stickler of third down offense and third down defense. And, and the point I'm trying to make to you on this is right now L.A. is better on third down offense and they're better on third down defense, okay? Los Angeles, third down offense, 43.58%. Jacksonville, 41.86%. Okay, are we going to argue over a couple of points? No. But the point I'm trying to make here is they are better, and it's not like there's a sizable gap or a difference. Same thing on the defense. And, again, it favors L.A. They're only allowing 39% of their opponents to pick up first downs on third down. And uh, Jacksonville, you know, is actually a little bit worse uh, defensively than they are offensively. I'd have to look at all 14 teams, but my guess is there's not a lot of teams right now in the NFL playoffs, who have a worse third down conversion rate defensively than they are actually picking up offensively. Again, I'm not, I don't throw this into a lab with analytics. A lot of that crap drives me crazy, but there's always a lot of key issues within a game that I am looking at. And for me, third down offense and third down defense is absolutely huge. Jacksonville, plus five in the turnover-takeaway ratio. They have 27 on the year. Okay, that is something um, that we have talked about, you know, week to week, week to week. Same deal for L.A. here. Exact same number, plus five on the year. I I don't know the total as far as turnover-to-takeaway, but I do know in the plus-minus column, uh, they are at plus five. Remember last week, JJ? I mean, sometimes you can look at these numbers and they'll they'll start to drive you batty because when push comes to shove, you go out and you and you play a football game and you, and you see what happens. Last week, Jacksonville was plus fifty in point dif- differential, 
and Tennessee was minus 57. So that was a difference of 107 points that Jacksonville had scored compared to Tennessee, yet we saw what ended up happening and ended up being a 2016 game where Almost the defense had to win it. Absolutely. It's like, uh, you know, the team with the most runs scored at the end of the year doesn't necessarily win the World Series. You know, uh, uh, you can win plenty of one nothing games. That's sort of been the Titans' MO for a long time. So I wasn't shocked that their, you know, numbers were that terrible. And the Jags have had a couple big blowouts this year, including the Chargers. There's only one team in the AFC who made the playoffs who does not have a plus figure in point differential. Dolphins? That is Miami at minus two. There's only one team in the AFC who does have a plus point differential in the AFC who did not make the playoffs, and that is the Patriots at plus 17. Yeah. You look at the top-heavy teams. You got Buffalo, plus 169. You got Kansas City, plus 127. You got Cincinnati, plus 96. Then you have Jacksonville, fourth overall. In point differential in the AFC at plus 54. Baltimore, plus 35. And then you get to LA, plus 7, and the Dolphins at minus 2. Plus 7. Plus 7, that's it. They've scored 391. They've allowed 384. Again, this is a team, they score 23 a game, which is 13th in the NFL, they allow 22.6, which is tied for 21st in the NFL. And as we know, the season-ending numbers for the Jaguars, uh, they scored 23.8 points a game, so 0.8 more than L.A. It moves them up from 13th to 10th, and their defense, 20.6, ended up being 12th in the NFL. Those are good numbers for Jacksonville, man. 10th on offense, 12th on defense. So th- th- those are really uh, good numbers. All right, let me come back. Some more that I want to get into here. And, yeah. you know, all of a sudden people are saying, well, all right, well, Jacksonville, they've won five in a row. Jacksonville's won six of seven. But look at their opponents. That That's what you're starting to hear, right? Tennessee, losing record. Houston, losing record. New York, losing record. Dallas, the only team in there that they won during this win streak with a winning record. Tennessee. Uh, losing record. They got bombed by Detroit. We saw what ended up happening to them. Um, their season is over, but they ended up, what, being 9-8. and eight. And then you go back to, I guess, the latter part of November. They come from behind victory against Baltimore, uh, which is a playoff team. So, you know, am I overthinking it? I don't know, perhaps. But I'm looking at playoff teams, all right, teams who have made it into the playoffs. How did Jacksonville do against teams – that are remaining. There's only 14 left in the NFL. So when we come back, much more on that. Uh, Plus, I am going to give you that injury report. I promise that'll be at the top. Uh, Also, if you want to get involved, best way to do it is on the text line. That number for you is 641-1010, brought to you by Lifetime Enclosures. Let's go into the night with Rick Ballou on 1010XL 92.5 FM. All right, if any of you out there wagered on Jacksonville to win the AFC South, uh, you collected a pretty hefty ticket, right? I mean, 
was with someone on Saturday. I said seven to one, hundred bucks, seven hundred bucks. But and I remember, I remember twelves. I remember fourteens uh, that you could have had. And again, it's all risk reward. When are you going to do it? Are you looking for the big bang? Imagine having TCU last night. Okay, and now obviously they got crushed, but if they had won it, you know the payout there. So. It is out in Kansas City, as you would expect. They're at the top of the list at plus three forty. Then it's Buffalo at plus four ten. I, I take it that you folks know what that means. If you pick Kansas City to win the Super Bowl, you lay down a hundred bucks, you get back three forty. Buffalo four ten. San Fran four seventy five. Philly five fifty. Cincy seven fifty. Dallas fourteen hundred. Then it's Tampa and the L.A. Chargers at twenty two hundred. Minnesota at 3,300, and then it's Jacksonville and Baltimore at plus 4,000. Where was Tampa? Tampa is 2,000, half of Jacksonville, which I will tell you I'm surprised. Just Brady alone and how weak the NFC is might be worth 10 bucks. There are three teams considered longer odds than Jacksonville. That's Miami plus 5,000. Uh, the New York Giants plus six thousand, and Seattle plus sixty six hundred. So I don't advocate gambling, but I'm just saying, for those of you who do, you put a hundred bucks on Jacksonville, they win the Super Bowl, you bring them back four K. That's a pretty good investment. That that that's risk reward. And again, most people would say, well, I'm not going to bet on Jacksonville. I'm going to bet on Kansas City. I'm going to bet on Buffalo. Okay, and you can grind that out. But again, the reward. Is it worth it? Maybe it is worth it to put 100 bucks on Kansas City and, and get back 340 Maybe that's worth it for it. I'm, I'm not telling you what to do and what not to do. I just think if you're going to go crazy on it, man, you might as well have a little bit of risk involved. The, the seven teams in the AFC to get to the Super Bowl, this is to win the AFC and play in the Super Bowl. Kansas City plus 175. Buffalo plus 210. Cincinnati plus 425. L.A. plus 1,000, Jacksonville plus 1,800, Baltimore plus 2,000, and Miami plus 2,500. So there you go. The way I look at it as a gambler is, so I'm only getting basically three-to-one odds, right, for Kansas City to win the Super Bowl. They have to win three games. And, you know, one's going to be the AFC title game against probably the Bills. So it's like, do you don't you think that to win three playoff games, two in a Super Bowl, that like in a regular parlay, you should get better than three to one odds? That's how I look at it. So you're sort of getting screwed out of that. Like that, it's never a smart bet most times to take the odds on favorite uh, no. to win the Super Bowl. And where do you see that most? Is in March Madness, and people grind out every round. When if you bet very each little round return. individually, it would probably be worth it. Yeah, very little return on the higher-ranked teams. The, 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 whole, the whole deal here is to find value, is to find a team. Yeah, LSU three years ago. You know what I'm saying? I mean, find one that, that doesn't get all the preseason love, preseason recognition. I mean, these people are really good at what they do. That's why it's pretty hard to – to find stories and, and things like this. Our, our friend, the Philly Godfather, though, he's cashed in on a couple, particularly with the totals, you know, totals for the year. 
Jacksonville was six and a half. Jacksonville goes nine and uh, nine and nine and eight, right? Uh, the overcashed. All right, uh, let me give you this. Uh, the first injury report, again, it comes out on Tuesday because, of course, the game is Saturday night. So they don't have their normal Tuesday regular season off day for a second consecutive week. Jacksonville practicing on Tuesday. Riley Patterson with the right knee did not practice today. All right, Trevor Lawrence, the toe limited today. That's actually an improvement for him over the last over last Tuesday and then the two Wednesdays prior to that because of course those two weeks they were off on Tuesday. Uh Jamal Agnew with the shoulder limited today. Deep snapper lost Matisic with the back did not practice today and Brandon Sheriff he had an abdomen and what was the second was it an ankle? I He's had two injuries on there. Now it's down to just the abdomen. So I'll look at it that way as, um, as him getting healthy. Okay, the list for L.A. The big story is Mike Williams. He did not go today. He's got a back. Uh, Brandon Staley earlier in the week said that it was a contusion, really avoided serious injury, got treatment today. He's day-to-day. Joey Boza with the groin. He practiced in full today. Bryce Callahan with the groin. Uh, he practiced in full today. Of course, he is their starting nickel. Xander Horvath. There are times where there where Los Angeles will go to a fullback. You remember that from the first time uh, that they did meet. And the rookie Horvath, uh, let's see today, with an ankle, practice in full. Uh, Kenneth Murray Jr. with a neck full today. All right, Murray, one of their linebackers, uh, and that's it. Trey Pipkins, the tackle with a knee. He is the starting right tackle. He practiced full today. So that is the uh, the latest as far as the injury report. Uh, he, here's one here that let me find it for you. I actually thought it was a an interesting comment and one that I think makes some sense. Uh, 2381 below. I appreciate the work. Yeah, 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 yeah. On stats, but to be more realistic, you need to really compare the second half of the year. Okay. There is some truth to that. Absolutely. I, I, I give full sample size of 17 games. Um, I'm not going to argue with that point in a nutshell. You could basically look at the last four or five games and say, this is what you're getting. I do think, however, you have to consider uh, travel. You have to consider whether or not you're playing indoors or outdoors, whether or not you're playing in warm climate or cold climate. I, I do think some of those things come into play. But I, but I do understand the tendencies of what the football teams are doing on offense and defense and Obviously, when you get to this time of year, teams are much more affected by injuries. Both teams have lost starters for the year who have been placed on the IR. But with that said, look at this. And honestly, it's scary if you're a Jaguar fan. It's scary. It is. All right? L.A. lost to Denver over the weekend, 31-28. Um... I, I honestly did not watch the game. 
I, I did not at all. Did 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 Herbert play the entire yeah. no, game no, here? No, no, they took him out <clears throat> second half. Chase Daniel went five of seven. They okay. played a lot. Mm-hmm. He, he threw. So guys started getting hurt, and they realized this is really stupid. Yeah, he threw the ball thirty-seven times. Yes. Okay. Crazy. So that that that's kind of what. I, Take what you want out of that game. They lost 31-28. The games prior to that, though, they give up only 10 points to the Rams in a 31-10 game. They won 20-3 in Indianapolis. The week prior to that, they won 17-14 over Tennessee. And the week prior to that, they knocked off a playoff team by holding the Dolphins to only 17 points in a 23-17 victory. Started the show tonight by saying, I think it's going to take 30-some-odd points to win this game. Right now, I'm, you know, it's only Tuesday night, so I need a few more days. But right right now, I'm kind of leaning towards like a 34-31 Jacksonville victory. All right, 65 total points. Bear in mind, last week I had Jacksonville winning 31-14, okay? I had them winning by 17 and ended up being a 2016 final. So take it for what it's worth. But a point I'm making now, if – I'm sorry. I'm going to erase this Denver game because I don't think they went after it for 60 minutes. If you look at the four games prior to that, The Los Angeles Chargers on defense have allowed 10 points, 3 points, 14 points, and 17 points. That's pretty good. That's really – I mean, would you take a point over that for a win? No way. 18 to win it, 15 to win it, 4 to win it, 11 to win it. No way. No way. This on a Jaguar – even the 20 you scored Saturday night against Tennessee – you're not taking that against the Los Angeles Chargers. You're going to need to score 30-some-odd points in order to win this game. All right, same exercise for Jacksonville. The last five weeks, okay, they held Tennessee to 16. They held Houston to three. They held New York to three. It was the first time in years that Jacksonville had gone consecutive games with not allowing a touchdown on defense, all right? So 16-3-3, certainly they gave up a lot in that overtime loss to Dallas, or overtime victory to Dallas, 40-34. to They allowed 34 there, and then they allowed 22 against uh, Tennessee. So for Jacksonville, it's 16-3-3, 22 I'm not going to get into numbers anymore because I don't want to bore you with them. I think they're very important when it comes to trying to figure out what in the heck is going to happen. Uh, but as we know, all of this gets ripped up when they take the field. And, you know, it all becomes uh, a matchup of who can get the proper advantage here. Toughest thing I'm dealing with right now is trying to understand Jacksonville's contain you know being able to get to the quarterback being able to get after Justin Herbert and what is going on 
with the secondary, and that, that is, again, one of the reasons why I've always had issues uh, with pro football focus because it, it, it just feels like they're speaking a totally different language than I am where the eye test gets completely eliminated and the way that they break things down doesn't always fit what I believe I see actually on the field, if, if that makes any sense. Uh, so we will see. All right. Um, you know, for what it's worth, in this game, where the heck did it go? You know, if you, if, if you look back, this game was played on what? It was played on September 25th. So that was moons and moons ago. Okay? Um, Jacksonville had a big interception. Herbert threw a touchdown. He threw it 45 times. You talk about the pass-rush ratio, 45 to 12 in that game. 12 rushing attempts. Unbelievable for L.A. Jacksonville ran it 36 times for 151 yards. Um, Only one sack by Jacksonville. No sacks by L.A. And, you know, they got a great tandem when they're healthy. Khalil Mack not on the injury report. We already talked about uh, Joey Boza. Mack did play the first time around. Boza played, I think, just a little bit. If memory serves me correct, I think he came out of the game with an injury. Joey Boza did. Uh, when they uh, faced Jacksonville. Very early, too. Yeah. Um, Derwin James is a star. Michael Davis is a very good football player. Um, so, you know, Asante Samuel Jr. is one of the few Knowles who have come out as of late. Do I, I find myself actually a, 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 a fan of? I don't say that in a, in a smart-ass way. I'm just being honest. There was way too much me, me, me. Over there late with Jimbo and, and certainly during Willie Taggart. Kyle Van Noy has won plenty of championships. A lot of experience there with Kyle Van Noy. So it's a nice mixture of uh, some veterans and, and also some young guys who are playing well. All right, let's get back to some of your comments. 641-1010 on the text line brought to you by Lifetime Enclosures. If you'd like to jump on in. Into the Night with Rick Ballou on 1010XL 92.5 FM. All right, Florida State lost their defensive back coach, uh, Mike Woodson, to uh, actually to Arkansas. Uh, report out now, Pete Thamel saying that uh, it's going to be the former Dolphin, Patrick Sertan, 11-year vet. He won three state titles at American Heritage. He has been a defensive assistant with the Dolphins. I think he still is, right, with the game coming up this weekend. But reportedly he's on his way uh, to Florida State. His son, you know, is with Denver. I think his son had – didn't his son have the first ever pick off Trevor? Wasn't that it when Denver – I may be wrong with that, but Patrick Sertan – uh, of course, had a great career at Alabama. Patrick Sertan II had a great career at Bama and is uh, is now with the Broncos. So, uh, latest there. Florida State as well today. Pick up another four-star. They got South Carolina defensive lineman Gilbert Edmund. So, that train is well-oiled and running during the offseason for the Knowles. They'll end up finishing 10th in the coaches' poll. Georgia, TCU, 
And I guess that's right. If you get pounded in a national title game, I mean, I, I still think the two teams who play in it should be one and two. Uh, Michigan, Ohio State, Bama at five, Tennessee at six. So the SEC ends up with schools one, five, and six. The Big Ten gets schools three, four, and seven, if you include Penn State. Right? Highest-ranked Big 12 school is obviously TCU at number two. Highest-ranked Pac-12 school is UW at number eight. Out of the Power Five, Tulane comes in at number nine. Right ahead of Florida State, who is the highest-ranked Atlantic Coast Conference team. I kind of like Florida State's chances against Tulane. I I hate that they... They put too much uh, with these final polls into the the bowl games. Like we know USC didn't care about that game. I, I know it's it's hack to say, but uh, you know about teams that always end up losing bowl games to these mid majors. But it's true. Like you're telling me that if USC played Tulane, but it was in a playoff, Tulane would have won that game. No. So I get it. You put them in there because they beat USC at the end of the year, but I don't put much in these bowl games. A lot of people don't. That bowl game didn't mean a lot to USC. That bowl game meant everything. Everything. To Tulane. Uh, Utah at 11. Clemson, number 12. That's USC, Kansas State, LSU at number 15. How's that going to be for a priest for to lift off the 2023 season in Orlando, Florida State, LSU. The rematch. Oregon 16, Oregon State 17, Notre Dame at 18, Mississippi State, Troy, UCLA, Pitt, South Carolina, Fresno State, and Texas. That, that's your top 25. Texas. Eight and five. They got number 25. Like I said earlier in the show, I think there was uh, over nine teams, I believe, that had – at least six or seven losses from the preseason top 25. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times you see the end of the year top 25, it translates into the preseason one. Like your Florida State will be a top 10 team. Absolute. Maybe a top five team in the preseason poll. I, I read today that Jimbo Fisher set a record. <laughs> it's been three times now, his final year in Tallahassee, which was 2017. You remember when he left? with a few games remaining, and they gave the interim tag to Odell Hagens. But in 2017, they began the season ranked third. The last two years, Texas A&M has began the season with the preseason poll ranked number six in consecutive years. And he becomes the first head coach to have three teams ranked in the top six not to end up ranked in the top 25. And getting paid a billion dollars for it, for underperforming year you, after year. You probably got to, I think you got to dislike someone to go looking for, a stat for, like for stats that? like that. <laughs> All right, real quick, the way too early poll. We'll do this now, and then we, I don't know, maybe we'll do it during a dog day of, of, uh, of May or June. Uh, Georgia on top, no question. Uh, their biggest... The, the biggest deal for them is the quarterback. Is it going to be Jacksonville's Carson Beck? 
Okay, he's first up. Ohio State at two. What do they all have in common here? Obviously, Stetson Bennett used up his eligibility. They're losing a ton of players as Georgia to the NFL. Ohio State, same deal. C.J. Stroud, the quarterback, is gone. Could be the top overall pick. That's crazy in itself to look at what the Chicago-Houston situation is. Obviously, a ton of talent at Ohio State. Losing those great wide receivers. Yeah, all three of them on their way to the uh, to the to the NFL. Um, they're gonna lose. Is Harrison an, is, is he announced yet? He hasn't announced yet. We'll see. Um, but anyway, yeah, they, they they're loaded. No question about it. All right, Michigan. Michigan comes in at number three, and this one is is out of all the schools that we're going to talk about here. This is the one school where you just don't know yet because of Harbaugh. You know, does Harbaugh elect to come back? He's won two in a row now against Ohio State. He made it to the Final Four. He got beat. Has he hit the ceiling in Ann Arbor? Does he take a job and go back to the NFL? That one uh, to be continued. Number four, Florida State. This is ESPN. Wow. A preseason number four? They didn't lose a lot. They lost Jamie Robinson, who I love, one of my favorite Knowles, the free safety. I hated the fact that that Treshawn Ward is is moving along. I think he's going to Kansas State. Uh, they just have a yeah, lot of backs. Yeah, that today. Yep. Uh, three offensive linemen are gone. Uh, they're losing. Robert Cooper is a you know a defensive uh, defensive tackle, a nose tackle, and they're losing Pokey Wilson. Number four. Whoa. Bama at five. Okay. So the only the only guys that all these quarterbacks are leaving outside of Michigan and Florida State, at least so far out of this list, because we do know that Bryce Young uh, is is going to leave. And I actually said Stroud earlier on. I mean, Bryce Young, uh, many believe, is the best quarterback who's going to end up going number one when it's all said and done. Uh, Penn State at six, they're losing Sean Clifford. Okay, Jerry Porter's a, a very good corner. I've seen him mentioned here a little bit. Obviously, USC. I'm surprised they're not higher than seven. I am, especially because they have the quarterback. And I understand they're losing some good players, and I also understand that they need to do better defensively. Um, I guess what happened last year in L.A. is they brought, you know, Jordan Addison. They brought over so many talented offensive players. But they need to not. They need to start now beefing up a, a little bit on defense to go with uh, Caleb Williams. Uh, LSU number eight, Oregon nine. If, if you didn't hear, Bo Nix is coming back. Okay, Jaden Daniels is coming back for LSU. Tennessee. All right. Obviously, they lost Hendon Hooker to the late season injury. You know, Cedric Tillman and Jalen Hyatt, very very good wide receivers. Uh, they're losing some good NFL players. Well, we'll see. You know, Joe Milton played well in that bowl game. We watched it, right, against Clemson. He'll be under center. UW, TCU, Utah, Notre Dame. Uh, Notre Dame played better in the second half of the season. Clemson all the way down to 15. They're losing all those great defensive players. You know, they made the switch at quarterback now where it's going to be Clyde Klubnik. But 
you know as well as I do, man, that, that he recruits as well as any in all of college football. Texas at 16 with Arch Manning showing up. Then it's the Beavers, and that is where Uwe Ungalele ended up. He will be the quarterback now for the Beavers. Right, Kansas State, Tulane, Mississippi, North Carolina. Ah, and that's basically it. Texas Tech, James Madison, Iowa. Yeah, it is kind of what it is towards the bottom of the barrel. James and, Madison, wow. Yeah, and, Any real notables not in there? I mean, Texas A&M's not in there. Florida's <laughs> not in there. Miami's not in there. Oklahoma. Where, when's the last time we had a preseason top 25 poll that did not have Oklahoma? I can't see Oklahoma it, having another, like, six-loss season or whatever they ended up with. That's the, I could easily see Miami and Florida ending up with another six-loss season, but not OU. Mm-mm. Kind of a bizarre list. By the way, Venables has a great recruiting class, so no matter how bad they were on the field this year, it hasn't affected that. As we wrap They'll this up, back. as we wrap this up, I just want to, uh, I want to highlight some teams that I think are are really good football teams that just had a disaster type season. Okay, obviously the Canes did not play well, five and seven. Um, Oklahoma, as you said, six and seven this year for Oklahoma would really the opportunity to eat in the Big 12. It's not going to get easier for them. And it's not going to get easier for, um, you know, Texas when they make that move uh, into the SEC. Oklahoma State, I still don't know how to get over them. They were, what, 5-0 and or 6-0? and They ended up 7-6, and did the Cowboys. Michigan State, 5-7. and Wow. Okay. Nebraska, 4-8. and Wisconsin, 7-6. and some disappointments there. Pac-12, let's see. The Cardinal, David Shaw, gone. 3-9 and nine this year. Buffalo's 1-11. That's where Dion goes. Probably it. Everything else went, I guess, as scheduled in the Pac-12. SEC, Gators 6-7. and seven. I thought that maybe this would be it for Mark Stoops. It's it's seven and six. You know, kind of like what I said with Jim Harbaugh, and it's different platforms here because Michigan is one of the true blue bloods who they believe can win a national title in, in any year. That's never going to be the case for Kentucky. You know, Kentucky's kind of like Mississippi in the West. Uh, you, you, you can have some really good years, but you know what your threshold is. Kentucky doesn't win national titles in college football kind of like South Carolina doesn't win national titles in college football. Uh, Texas A&M, 5-7. and seven. Auburn, 5-7. and seven. I, I thought the Razorbacks, they, they put a little bit better late, but ended up being 7-6 and six when it was all said and done. So there you go. Really kind of the final look uh, for college football. The early NFL draft deadline is... Monday, I believe, was today, the 10th. It's the 16th. So it'll be right around the corner. And, you know, there still are some prominent names out there where we haven't figured out if they're going to the NFL or if they're staying. And, yeah, I think this will be intriguing for a lot of fan bases, even though you're under the impression 
that deals are set in place with the NIL? What if in the 11th hour, some of these players are like, well, I have an opportunity to go in the first or second round, and I'd rather take that money than what I'm making now in college. I, I'd be surprised if we don't see a case where at least, a, at least one uh, prominent player elects to go from college to pro. We'll see. And, of course, we'll be here for you. All right, on the other side, let's put our final touches on this one. Get you ready for Hacker. He'll join you at 10. Into the Night with Rick Ballou on 1010XL 92.5 FM. All right, tomorrow night with you, 6 to 8 as well. Thursday night, 6 to 8, Mr. Chubby's Wings will be out in Ponte Vedra Beach. Look forward to uh, getting with you out there. And then as well, Friday, 6 to 8. going to be a fun week, man. It's tough to believe it's already heading into Wednesday. 55-60, Booty thinks Stetson Bennett should be the face of the XFL. <laughs> I don't know. I haven't really given that much thought. Um, gets a bad rap, doesn't he? I mean, I guess he's kind of fit into like the Baker category or whatever. You either love him or you're despised by him. I, I think he's a very good quarterback. Is he going to transition into being an NFL quarterback? I, um, I have no idea. All right. We, we, we've got, uh, what a, a story that is, Breaking now in the NFL that is not necessarily surprising. As a matter of fact, it's anything but surprising. It it kind of makes sense, but we finally have a reporter who's backing it up. What we originally thought happened with the Bills Bengals that people, including the commissioner of the NFL and Troy Vincent, are liars. Is there really any other way to say it? Uh, no. So this is uh, this is from Don Van Natta Jr., who's an ESPN, one of their many, many reporters. And he basically is saying what we originally guessed happened, which was the league desperately wanted to get that game in after the injury or the collapse, whatever you want to call it. And they had their league official down there on the field – Um, There was mixed messages from her that she was getting from the command center in Manhattan. Uh, She was on the phone with Troy Vincent and a bunch of other people from the league. And the way that he wrote it is basically that the NFL didn't decide to cancel the game. The Bengals and the Bills decided to cancel the game. Right. And the NFL kind of just had to go, okay, Whatever you say. So that's why we have the discrepancy with ESPN where they were like, hey, there's five minutes to go before they start warming up to start the game over again. And that obviously never happened. Um, So league officials were telling ESPN, because they're completely incompetent, that the game was going to go on. Meanwhile, league officials on the field were being told by the coaches and players, we're not playing. A couple of things that really – stand out for me the Michael Silver report that we talked about the next day that with everyone that he had talked with he was told that Joe Burrow in five minutes warm up you're coming back in and that the game was going to be played until 
the walk was made from Zach Taylor across the field to Sean McDermott, and the two had a conversation, and it was basically unanimous from everyone around that there was no way they were going to continue to play that game. And, and then remember the whole Troy Vinson who came on and talked at like 1 a.m. Mm-hmm. when Joe Buck said he's heard from the field and he's heard from the constant communication, whoever that is that is with the league to ESPN, that they were going to continue to play that football game. This is a massive, this is an enormous screw-up by the NFL, and frankly, I'm surprised it took this long to come out. Yeah, it has been only a week, but yeah, you're right. Uh, They just expected us to believe that, like, Joe Buck and ESPN were just making this stuff up. Clearly, they weren't doing that. Um, Yeah, it's typical from the NFL. Just a mess when it comes up in the leadership. And guess what? It's not going to matter. Nothing's going to happen. No, nope, it's not gonna matter. We're all, at all gonna move along. They, they basically the Bengals and the Bills called their bluff, said we're not playing. What are you gonna do about it? They didn't do anything about it. And as a matter of fact, they probably were felt so shamed about it. Then then Goodell was like, "All right, go on home, guys," and he let the Bills fly home, and then that screwed everything else up. Mm-hmm. You know, I believe still to this day, if you would have kept him in town played the game the next night, maybe even Wednesday at the latest. Things would have been fine. I'm not going to out anyone, um, but I over the weekend, I, I kind of, uh, some buddies, not real friends of mine, but just people that I uh, kind, Acquaintances. Of run, kind of run the same circles, and it might have been on a 19th hole somewhere. <laughs> and they got right down to it. Their fantasy leagues are totally screwed. Oh, ours too. Totally screwed. We, we had screwed. to vote and we had to split money and and we're not the only one. I'm assuming this is everybody's league. And again, I don't, I've don't. i never done fantasy. I don't have any idea how fantasy works. So this isn't a me. But I, I think everyone felt the same way when it came to DeMar Hamlin. But now that there's been a little bit of time for this dust to settle... People go crazy over that fantasy league football stuff. A lot of money, stuff. dude. There's like, you know, multiple thousands of dollars up for grabs in my league. People so what are, happens now? What's the consensus? It, it's so been a vote. vote on, Don't you have a commissioner in the fantasy do, football? We do. And what's just funny is this is actually his first year as our commissioner. We've been doing it for 15 years. But um, he put it up for a vote. And we decided. I don't even remember what we decided. I think we just kept the points as is. Some leagues did like, hey, this is what he was projected to score in that game, so we'll just go by that. Mm. It was a mess, man. Yeah, and obviously that matters very little in the in the large landscape of, of things. Not. But yeah. it also, it, you know, I mean, listen. This I, is why a lot of people. I know watch people the care league, about though. fantasy. Yeah. yeah, I I I get it. The league is as popular as it is today because of fantasy football, because of gambling. Would I? And, and maybe we'll get on, you know, maybe we'll have a conversation about this during the offseason. Um, but that happened early. What if it... What, In what the if, fourth quarter. You know, what if there were nine minutes to go? Yeah. You know what I mean? Uh, and, and there was a time where we would never have to ask ourselves that question. I, I think we do now. Uh, with the six games that are upon us this weekend in the playoffs and everything else after the fact. Uh, 
how are things going to be handled if something like this happens again? But anyway, that is it for us tonight. Hacker is next. For JJ, I'm Rick Ballou. We will talk with you tomorrow at 6 o'clock.